0: Welcome to another episode of The Warning Woods. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it five stars and writing a review. Reviews help spread the podcast to more listeners. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Warning Woods. I'm Miles Tridel, and this story is called That Which Cannot Be Replaced. I've been a letter carrier for over five years. Delivering the mail is not a glorious job. That old rain or shine expression is no exaggeration. Nothing short of a hurricane stops the mail from getting delivered to the good people of America six days a week. No, delivering the mail is not a glorious job, but it suits me just fine. For the most part, I work alone. The simple task keeps my body busy and allows my mind to wander. I've always been a bit of a loner and a daydreamer. That concerned my parents, teachers, and peers when I was a child. I grew up being told I'd become an ill-adjusted adult if I didn't concentrate and get some friends in my life. I never listened to those people, and I'm glad. I'm perfectly happy living my solitary life and working my solitary job. Being a letter carrier gives you unique insights into people's lives. For example, I know who's subscribed to Nat Geo and who's still getting Playboy. That one's not as popular as it used to be, but still more common than you might think. I know who isn't paying their bills on time, who donates to charity, who opens way too many credit cards, etc. I don't pass judgment on anyone. I simply observe. I believe it is possible to draw assumptions about a person's character without making moral judgments. Maybe some people are just too scatterbrained to keep up with the bills. It doesn't make them a bad person. One customer up on Mayberry Drive recently reminded me of that. Her name is Felicity Chambers. She's one of the folks who gets Nat Geo and donates to charity. She also, however, allows her bills to lapse from time to time. This is understandable. Felicity is a single mother with two adolescent children, her son Kyle and her daughter Laura. I'm not sure what Felicity does for a living, but it must be fairly lucrative. Even as the sole breadwinner, she brings home enough cash to afford the family's home on Mayberry Drive. If you're familiar with that neighborhood, you know there isn't a single house nearby worth less than half a million. She pays Paradise Landscaping to take care of the yard in the green seasons, and Greg's snow removal to clear the driveway and sidewalk in winter. Like most people on Mayberry Drive, she also pays ADT for home security. Or she used to, anyway. When I saw the first overdue notice from ADT, I chuckled. Oh, Felicity. The kids must be running you ragged this month, I thought. I delivered the second notice a week later. I thought she had better pay up this time or her service might be shut down. A few weeks later, as I was slipping a copy of Nat Geo into Felicity's mailbox, I noticed the little ADT sticker on her glass storm door. I realized I hadn't delivered a bill from the company in a while. I guess Felicity was trying to cut down on costs. Times are tough for everyone, so I could understand. I returned to my own home at the end of the day. I live in a double-wide, crammed between two other trailers in a little trailer park on the edge of town. I remember walking in the door, observing my humble living space, and wondering what it's like inside a beautiful home like Felicity Chambers. The thought formed like a hazy apparition, barely capturing my attention in the moment, but the haunting speculation grew with time, becoming more opaque each time I stepped onto Felicity's porch. I arrived at work one Monday morning and found a hold mail request card with Felicity's address on it. Her mail was to be held until Friday. On my route, I passed by the house as usual. It was dark and empty. I saw a sign amongst the perfectly trimmed rose bushes in the yard. Secured by ADT, it read. But I knew that was a lie. It had now been two months since I delivered a bill from ADT to the house. Instead of driving home that night, I went back to Mayberry Drive I parked down the road from Felicity's house, not wanting any neighbors to get suspicious. The sun was already setting, so I waited until it disappeared behind the horizon before getting out and approaching the house. Paradise Landscaping had lined the flowerbeds with stones. Each rock was unique, but one in particular had stuck out to me each time I walked up to the front door. It had a duller hue and didn't shimmer in the sunlight like the others. On this night, when I walked through the yard, I stopped and picked up that rock. I twisted the base and, sure enough, it slid away to reveal a shiny silver key. Oh, Felicity, you must know there are far more clever ways to hide a spare key, I thought. I turned the lock and clasped the cold doorknob in my hand. There I paused for a long moment contemplating the meaning of my actions. I had no intention to take anything. I wouldn't be a burglar. But I knew if I turned that knob I would become something else. Something much darker and more mysterious. Maybe something more dangerous. A burglar steals replaceable items. Money, jewelry, electronics. The thing I would become steals that which cannot be replaced. Safety, peace of mind. You might not notice they're gone for a while, but eventually you notice their absence, and in their empty places you find anxiety, dread, fear. Did I wish those abominations upon Felicity Chambers and her children? No, of course not. But my desire to become the thing powerful enough to destroy the human psyche overcame me. I turned the knob quickly stepped through the threshold and closed the door behind me. The thump of the door and the metallic scrape of the latch echoed through the tiled white foyer. Like a polite guest, I removed my shoes and left them by the door. A curved staircase stood before me. It led up to a perpendicular hallway where I guessed I would find the bedrooms. I would save those for last. Instead, I walked straight under the stairs and through a beautiful arch carved into the white wall. The arch teleported me into a cozy living room with wood-paneled walls and thick, brown carpet. The room was much darker than the heavenly foyer, but I dared not shine a light, lest a nosy neighbor notice. An open doorway led me into the kitchen next. Entering the kitchen felt like being transported to the future. Unlike the dark living room, everything in here gleamed. Moonlight reflected off the fridge, faucet, stovetop, and dishwasher. Every appliance was in impeccable condition, and couldn't be more than a couple of years old. I immediately fell in love with Felicity's granite countertops, upon which there was not a crumb. I explored other auxiliary rooms, but my patience ran out. I couldn't wait any longer to go upstairs and see where the mother and children slept. The stairs didn't creak at all. Not one mouse-worthy squeak snuck from beneath my feet as I ascended. I'm sure the lush, white carpet helped. The first room at the top belonged to the daughter Laura. I know because a letter from the UK lay open on her dresser, a letter I had delivered. Laura has a pen pal overseas that she's kept in touch with since the fifth grade. I got bored with Laura's room and entered Kyle's, which was next in line. Upon opening the door, the powerful odor of unwashed athletic wear immediately struck me in the face. Kyle played football at the high school and had recently been applying for scholarships. The responses to his applications were filed in a neat stack on his desk. I could have seen what was inside them if I could have stood the smell for another minute. There was another reason I hastily left Kyle's room behind. A nervous razor was beginning to cut through my cool. The longer I spent in the house, the less likely it seemed I would escape. But before I could leave, I had to see it. I had to see the place where Felicity Chambers laid down after a long day, stretched out and relaxed. Her bedroom was at the very end of the hall. Her door was open, and I could see the foot of her bed poking into the visible portion of the room. I could imagine her feet there. Her painted toes pointed toward me as she lay on her side. I approached the room with reverence, as if I were going to the altar for communion. I shuddered as I gazed at the bed, perfectly made. Everything in the room was in order. Each drawer and closet closed, the makeup in front of her mirror in neat little rows. The faint scent of roses caressed the air from some invisible source. I wondered if that was how she smelled, if the scent I detected was a little bit of her left behind just for me. A small picture frame stood on her end table. She looked at me from it, smiling, beautiful, and a few years younger than she was now. I was surprised to see who else was in the photo, though. A man had his arm around her shoulder and was gazing at her lovingly. Was this the children's father? In the corner of the frame, I saw a little pink ribbon that symbolized something, I thought. Cancer? As I stared at the photo in my hands, the man's eyes moved away from Felicity and onto me. I gasped, the first sound I'd made since entering the house. I set the picture back down and slowly backed away from the nightstand. I must have imagined the eyes moving, I thought. I bumped into someone standing behind me. I spun around, bringing my arms up over my head for protection but there was no one there. I was still alone in the bedroom, but it didn't feel that way. That's it, I thought. You've properly spooked yourself. I decided it was time to leave. There was so much more I wanted to explore, particularly in the bedroom, but my nervousness outweighed my festering desires. I didn't think about the house much over the next few days, even as I walked past it. I guess I had scratched my itch into dull submission. But I knew, deep down, that I wasn't finished. I had become the dark thing, the peace-stealer. Such a beast is not content to lay down and gnaw at bones. It craves the hunt. It needs fresh prey. That is why, when I saw Felicity Chambers' car in the driveway again, I knew I would be returning to the house that very night. And I did. I performed a perfect replay of the first visit, parking down the street, approaching in the dark. This time, I had to wait about 30 minutes for a light upstairs to shut off. When it did, I crept through the yard and retrieved the key. I wouldn't need it, though. Felicity had left the front door unlocked. Oh, Felicity, I know you live in a safe neighborhood, but you still can't go leaving your doors unlocked at night, I thought. I entered the beautiful foyer. This time I didn't stop to take anything in. The nerves had come on more quickly, like my body recognized the situation. The feeling I would be caught arose more powerfully than before. Remembering how quiet the stairs had been, I rushed up them. No need to creep slowly and let the nerves grow stronger. Laura's bedroom door was cracked open. I listened outside for any sign of movement, but it was perfectly quiet. I gave the door a little push. Laura's suitcase lay on the bed, open and half emptied. She was nowhere to be seen. A dreadful thought entered my mind. I hurried over to Kyle's room. His door was also opened, and his room was also empty. Of course. It was Friday night and these were two high school kids. They weren't home sleeping. They were out with friends, partying, catching a movie, whatever kids do these days. That meant... Well, that meant they could be home at any second. I would be caught. I should go. I should leave right away. But another thought crushed the idea of leaving. It pushed the fear aside and settled its dark shadowy self down in the center of my mind. In that moment, I realized I was not the monster. I was not the robber of that which cannot be replaced. The real monster was the idea. I was just a conduit. The thought, the hideous, monstrous realization, was that Felicity and I were alone. The object of my admiration, the queen of my desires. All that stood between us now was the closed door at the end of the hall. I turned the knob as quietly as possible and peeked into the room. She had fallen asleep on her side, just as I imagined. She breathed slowly, deeply, telling me she was fast asleep. I entered the room. Felicity's clothes were in a pile next to the bed. I knelt down beside them, feeling them. They were still warm. The smell of roses emanated from them. It wasn't enough to touch her clothes, to feel her warmth. I needed to touch her. I shuddered at the thought of my hand gently brushing her smooth shoulder. My eyes landed on the mirror as I stood. I had to clamp a hand over my mouth to keep from crying out. There was another man standing next to Felicity's bed, the man from the picture on her nightstand. He looked angry, violently so. I turned my head away from the mirror but the man wasn't there. A heavy hand slammed into my throat just below the jaw. It was invisible, but very real. It started to squeeze. Felicity stirred a little, her sleep disturbed by the commotion. My feet gained traction and I pulled away from the hand, stumbled to the door, and left the room. I ran down the stairs, out the front door, through the yard and all the way back to my car. There I sat, trembling. I sat there long enough to see Laura and Kyle return home. A friend dropped them off, and they entered the house, smiling and laughing. The dark thing in my head must have been scared away by the invisible man that night. Sometimes, it returns to me in my dreams, but never in the waking hours. I pray it stays there, in my dreams. I've lost my desire to return to the house, but I know the monster hasn't. If it should decide to return, I will not be able to resist it. I'll have no choice but to obey, to feed it, whatever the cost. you made it out congratulations if you enjoyed the story please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow you can also become a patron at patreon.com slash the woods if you want more creepy content including the images that accompany each story follow me on instagram at TheWarningWoods. if you feel ready meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening.